Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. As you can see on the screen, our message today, as we continue the parables of Jesus, is the cost of a gift. We're in Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 48. The other day I was eating lunch and I overheard one woman talking to her friend. And she said, you know what? I cannot stand eating with my father. And she said, really, why? And she said, well, all he does is complain. Said he was talking. He said a dollar fifty for a lousy cup of coffee. Four dollars for a ham sandwich. Three dollars for a plate of cookies. And she said, I cannot stand eating with him when he does that, so I'm never going to invite him over to my house again. But yeah, I mean, things cost things, don't they? I mean, I remember my parents saying, well, son, I'm sorry, but uh, there's not a money tree outside. But believe me, I looked for one. Uh, But there was no money tree to shake. I mean, money is, you get money when you work for it and when you earn it. And so we can understand the cost of a gift. I think of that little child that saved up all of their allowances to get that toy that they wanted. Or or maybe uh, a young family finally getting that first house or someone getting a vehicle that they needed. We know that there is cost attributed with everything. So as we approach our parable today, it is important to remember the theme of Jesus' teaching up to this point. Jesus is teaching us about the kingdom of God, not only the kingdom of God that is to come, but the kingdom of God that is here among us now. And so you and I must remember that this is God, this is his world, this is our heavenly father's world, and he existed before it was even created. He created it. God created the world that we live on. God sustains the world that we live on. Even the fact that our world is tilted at a certain axis to where if that tilt was off just the the smallest bit of the degree, the whole world, the whole universe would come unhinged. He sustains our world. Not only does he sustain our world, he redeemed our world. And he will replace it one day with his eternal kingdom. So with that said, it seems hard for many to understand because the only kingdom most people care about today is their own. For example, you ever heard the old saying, the man would say, well, I'm the king of my castle, right? I mean, we all have kingdoms. We all have our our homes and our things and toys and our boundary lines and, and our property markers. This is mine and this is what I'm working for. We all have our own kingdoms. And I think sometimes we are straining so hard to build our kingdom, even as believers, that we lose sight of the fact that all of this goes away one day. That the true kingdom that we are building, the true kingdom that we are living in, is that one that God has for us right at this moment. Unfortunately, when we think about the kingdom of God, that is an abstract thing. It's not something that you can really touch or wrap your mind around. And the concept uh, is kind of hard to understand. But knowing God's kingdom will be the final destination for true believers. It's comforting. I see people all the time at funerals that are approaching death, that are comforted with the fact to know that they will be entering into 
the kingdom of heaven. You have found comfort in that yourself when you and I have lost those we love that believed in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Knowing God's kingdom will be the final destination for true believers is comforting, but we all tend to forget that God is working in our kingdoms right now in this very moment. You see, there are many things that we can work for to accumulate and gather ourselves. We will always need food. We will always need clothing. We will always need shelter and health care. Everybody agree with that? We're all going to need to be taken care of. And children will need braces. And there will always be hidden fees when you have to pay for whether it be a phone bill or utilities or whatever it may be. We can all agree that the cost of living is real, right? The cost of living is real. I'll never forget when I was a high schooler and I got my first job. There was this guy named FICA that took so much of my money, I could not stand it. Who is FICA? I want to go see him and I want my money back. And I've been paying FICA ever since. But, hey, that's all right. The thing is, is that we cannot deny that we need money. God knows that. But we must also admit that Jesus says we must not let money rule our lives. Let me show you this passage, a very popular one. It's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Jesus is speaking and he says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. And then he goes so far as just to say it. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. I guarantee you, if you have a house payment and two car payments and life insurance and health insurance, you are enslaved to money. That's just, I'm not saying that we need to do without those things, but I'm just saying that money is a real part of our life. So, so how do you make money not what you work your life for, but let money represent How God is blessing you. Sometimes it means being content with fewer things. Sometimes it means being more faithful in your giving. Sometimes it means toning down. What is that they used to say? You have the the extravagant taste and the, the meager means of a pocketbook. You know, sometimes we want more than we can afford. And that's okay. Credit card companies came along and taught us that we don't need to pay for it right now. Right. (laughs) But let me assure you that with you being here today. Or if you may be listening to this message, you are taking an active step to seek God's kingdom over your own today. Just by getting up, putting your clothes on, getting in your car and coming up here. You have said, I want to know what God has for my life. And I pray that God honors that. Because, you see, it is my prayer as we open God's Word today that He would give you a glimpse of His glorious kingdom. Not only the one to come, but the one here and the hereafter. So with that said, our our first thing that we're going to look at as we look at our passage today is the kingdom of God will cost us everything. The kingdom of God will cost us everything. And we're we're looking here at uh, these parables Verse 44 is the parable of the hidden treasure. And it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, 
he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. It's kind of interesting that these parables were wedged in between the parable of the sower and the wheat and the tear. And so that's kind of why we went on one side of them, the bottom side of them, and now we're back in the middle to catch these parables. Because Jesus knew his audience just as well as he knows you. That's the thing I love about parables is that he's usually taking things that everybody can identify with and giving a heavenly meaning to. So much, much of the culture that Jesus was speaking to was poor. So you talk about finding a treasure. They're all about that. Tell me where I can find a hidden treasure. It, it piqued their interest and made them hungry to want to know more because those types of stories were so popular. If you remember back even as we were settling into America when you had the gold rush out in California, everybody had a, a relative or somebody went out there and they heard about one person that struck gold and then everybody went out there. It piqued their interest. This is the kind of, of interest that was being shown as Jesus was sharing the story. Back in those days, many would store their money in strong boxes or under the floor of their home. Some of you may even have relatives that kept their money in their mattress or maybe put it in mason jars and buried it out back. You never know. But the thing is, back in that day when they would sell their land or homes, the buyer had the right to everything that was in it. So if these people had had buried their money in the yard or they had hid it under the floor and maybe they died or they didn't tell anybody and they sold the house, whoever bought the house got it all. That's the way it worked. And so Jesus illustrates the fact that the man in the parable sold everything that he had. He sold everything that he had to be able to purchase the field that contained this hidden treasure. What we find here, folks, is this. If the cause is great enough, the cost is irrelevant. If the cause is great enough, the cost is irrelevant. You see, this is a harsh but true statement. The price of the freedom that we enjoy in America today is paid by men and women who have given their lives for it. Freedom is free, but it did not come cheap. It cost our nation something. It cost our family something. And some of you are here today because your parents didn't care about the cost of raising you because they loved you more. When I put this message together, I couldn't help but think about my father who stayed in uh, the Spartanburg area after McLean went under. And he went from driving the truck to loading it, unloading it. And doing everything in between at half the money just so his boy could stay in church. He paid the cost. Probably more than I will ever understand. Some of you have done that for your children. Some of you will do that for your children. Some of you are doing that for your grandchildren. You understand what it means to cost you something. And it may not be shown on a balance sheet. But it's worth it. Because if the cost is great enough... Excuse me, if the cause is great enough, the cost is irrelevant. And also, we see in this passage, don't be blinded by shiny things. Ooh, shiny things. There's a man, you may have heard, heard from him, he makes a great automobile, automobile if, if you think that they're good, but Henry Ford. Henry Ford once asked an associate about his life goals. 
The man replied that his goal was to make a million dollars. Now, back in those days, a million dollars was a lot. Well, to be quite honest, today it is too. So I hear. A few days later, Ford gave the man a pair of glasses made out of two silver dollars where the eyepieces are. He told the man to put them on and ask him what he could see, and the man said nothing. The dollars are in the way. Ford told him that he wanted to teach him a lesson. If his only goal was dollars, he would miss a host of greater opportunities. He should invest himself in serving others, not simply in making money. There are people that have more money than they know, than they know what to do with, but they are ending their lives because they have no hope. Because money does not buy happiness. Some of you might say, well, I sure would like to try. But the truth of it is, where there's money, there are tithes. Not tithes, T-I-T-H-E, but T-I-E-S. Money has strings, doesn't it? And it all depends on how we use it. Look, being rich is not a sin. There, there are many rich people that use their, their wealth to help others and to serve others. It's not money that's evil, it's the love of money that enslaves us. It enslaves us. It is the greed, but that's a great secret of life for Henry Ford to share with his co-worker that far too people discover. Money is important, no question. No question about that, but money is not the only means by which we can build our earthly kingdoms. I know people that don't have a dime to their name, but they love God. They love each other, and they are rich far beyond what this world says. But understand, whether you work hard for that money or you don't have a whole lot of money at all, the truth of it is, understand this, we are not promised another minute. So in a flash, boom, like that, it will all be gone. The only thing that will be remaining is what we have done for God's kingdom. Our decision of whether we wanted to accept Him or reject Him as our Savior and Lord. It will be important at that moment. Our decision to love Him and love others will be important at that moment. And our decision to leave a legacy of faith will be important at that moment. Let me go ahead and tell you this today. Money will not be your legacy. No matter how much there is. If you've got a lot left over, people may just be ended up fighting for it. Money will not be your legacy. Don't let it blind you today. And then we see that Jesus is not the hidden treasure here. He is the best known person in history. Jesus does not hide himself. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. A sinner cannot find Christ. You cannot find Christ in your own strength. I got you three verses you can look up later that shows you that a sinner cannot find Christ. It is the Savior that finds Him. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, it is because He has found you. Romans 3.10 says, No one is righteous, not even one. Nobody in here. Not me, not you. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Then Ephesians 2.8 and 9 say, God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. 
Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Notice this, that no sinner could ever purchase salvation. Notice the man that purchases the field. He purchases the field, not the treasure. The second thing that we see in this passage, in the second parable, is that God paid a great price for you to enter his kingdom. Not only is it costly for us, God, it cost him everything. God paid a great price for you to enter his kingdom. Let's read the parable, verse 45. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Here we see the kingdom of God from God's point of view. In this parable, the kingdom of heaven is not the precious pearl, but the merchant. The merchant that's seeking the pearl. Unlike the man noted in verse 44, this merchant is a person of means. He's not just a regular peasant looking to buy a land to find a hidden treasure. This man, this merchant, is somebody that has prestige, that has money, that has affluence. And usually what would happen is divers would gather and get get pearls from the Indian Ocean, the Persian Gulf, and the Red Sea. And wealthy women in Rome would wear pearls and necklaces, and the most expenses of which would have cost tens of millions of dollars in today's currency. That's the type of lavishness. That's the type of treasure that Jesus is using as an illustration. And Jewish teachers sometimes used expensive pearls to represent the teaching of the Torah. What is the Torah? It's the first five books of the Bible, of the Old Testament. So Jesus applies it to his message about the kingdom. The ancient pearl stories often emphasize the finder's piety. But Jesus instead emphasizes the value of God's kingdom. This is not to say how good the merchant is. This is to teach you about the value of God's kingdom. What does this say about those who are in God's kingdom? If you are in God's kingdom, if you are in, if you are in the club, so to speak, if you have prayed to ask Jesus Christ into your life as Savior and Lord, He teaches you that look at what He paid for you. For you to be here today, take a moment and let the weight of this hit you if you haven't done it in a while. We normally do it around Easter time. But the truth is, take a moment and figure about the weight to which it cost You to become a Christian. The life of his son, Jesus Christ. Look to your son or your daughter or your grandchild or your your godchild or whoever you may that is is in your life. And can you imagine giving them up for somebody that doesn't even care at the time? No. That kind of love was given so that you could experience the kingdom, not only in eternity, but experience God's kingdom today. So if it costs that much, usually when we we preach that, we want you to feel guilty about it. I feel guilty about it. I feel overwhelmed about it. I'm not worthy of that. But yet, because God loves us, He did that. So think for a moment, instead of being so guilty about it, think about how much God loves you to do that. God loves you. God wants to make sure that you get His very best. 
So don't try to give God your bargain knockoffs. Don't give God a little bit on Sunday or maybe a little bit on Wednesday, a little bit here, a little bit there. Give God your everything because he gave his everything. And what we'll find, and I'll show you this on the screen, the value God has placed on you cannot be worn or flaunted. It is simply in who you are, not what you have. That's the truth. The value that God has placed on you cannot be worn or flaunted. It is simply in who you are, not what you have. So if any of you have this desire to please God with your actions and to be religious about it and say, well, I've done all this for you, God. Aren't you proud of me? That means nothing to him. He loves you as you are with your mess ups, with your hang ups, with your drama and with your issues. He loves you anyway. And also for the meaning of the parable, we see that Israel here is the hidden treasure and the pearl. The Jews were God's chosen people and they had been scattered and were no longer the dominant nation or world power. But yet they were of great value to God and still are great value to God. So here we see Jesus saying God will give all that he has to bring them back to himself. And one day those that believe in Jesus will return to him. And we'll take that one step further in the future when we look at the parable of the fishing net. But nothing is more precious than the kingdom of heaven, yet God gives it to us as a gift. Folks, if you think you cannot afford to give God all of yourself to his kingdom, here and in the hereafter, I want you to understand that he gave everything so that you would. And I know when I'm preaching something like this, This may be hitting somebody, it may not, I don't know, but I do know this, that when I hear messages about like this, and when when I hear God speaking to my heart, He always shows me that one thing that's between He and I. He always shows me that one thing that I need to repent of, that I need to confess of, that I need to not make my God. And I pray that He does the same thing for you too, because He loves you so much that He wants you to identify it and to deal with it. I don't know about you, but if I go to the doctor and I'm feeling bad and I have cancer inside of me, although I don't want to hear it, I want to know it. And when God reveals these things to you, it's not to make you feel guilty and bash you down. He loves you. He has proven that with His Son. He shows it to you to deal with it. Better yet, to let Him deal with it. You just need to give it up. The kingdom of God has a value that calls us to give up all that we have to gain it. Do you want God's best for your life? I hope you do. I know I want mine. You and I must be willing to give up everything we have in order to gain it. Jesus makes it clear that no one, no one can purchase God's kingdom with any amount of money or good works. So as with any sacrifices, we learn today that if the cause is great enough, the cost is irrelevant. I'll close with this verse. 2 Samuel 24, 24 says this. And I actually shared this verse with our deacons on Wednesday during our deacons meeting. It says in verse 24, But the king replied to Aruna, No, I insist on buying it for 
I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. That's what David was saying. They were just, this, this, this Aruna had just come to him and said, look, I know you need to, to worship God and to give a sacrifice because you've misbehaved. So just take mine. You're the king. He said, oh, no, 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 no. I am not going to sacrifice that which has cost me nothing. Folks, the kingdom of God begins at salvation by accepting him as your Savior and Lord. And it is realized every day as we live for him and worship him. The church word for that is called sanctification. God makes us more like Him every day. He sanctifies us. He sets us apart. And some days we take two steps forward, and some days we take one step back. But it is a process. We will not be perfect until Christ perfects us as we live in eternity. So if your walk with God doesn't seem like much, My question is, what have you sacrificed to grow it? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this message. Thank you so much for Jesus teaching us in these parables how we should live and how we should take this gift that you have given us, Lord, and to experience it through our own sacrifice. Lord, it's not about us building up what we want, but it's about us finding what you have for us. And if there is anybody here today that has been caught in the trap of performance and accumulation and pride, Lord, I pray that you break them of that today because you are not impressed with that. They may impress the world, but this world will be gone one day. There is an entire world of blessings that are at our disposal Today, right now, that is found in your word, if we so choose to live by them. And oh boy, one day, we will have eternity with you. I think of all these people that that say that we are just worshiping a, a farce or that religion is a crutch. If it is wrong, I won't change one thing because my life with you has been so much better than it was without you. And so if we are wrong, I have lost nothing. But if we are right... Woo! We have so much to gain. I pray that we get excited about that. (coughs) Excited enough to live for you and excited enough to share that with others. So if you're here today and you have a prayer need, or you may want to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, or maybe you just want to rededicate your life, or there's an area in your life that you've been withholding from God, I pray that today would be the day that you break free of that chain. You can come forward and pray with me or pray at the altar, pray right where you are. But this invitation is a time for you to respond as God so leads you. God, this is for your glory, for it's in your name we pray. Amen.